0: Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Uh, You're all very welcome. Good to see you here today. Uh, The presence of the Lord is rich amongst us. I hope you can say amen. If you're, if you're here for the first time, a particularly warm welcome again to you. If you're watching online, we want to welcome you to Court Church, and we hope that you do sense the presence of the Lord. We pray that the word this morning would touch your life, that we will not be the same people when we leave here. If we are, then we've just gone through a religious exercise, because religion never changes anybody. But it, you know, when we hear the word of God, when we sense the presence of God, it is doing something in our souls every second, you know, conforming us to the image of Christ. And I love that. I love that scripture that he's not finished with us. He, he, you know, he's fashioning and he's making and he's molding and he's doing something new and wonderful in your life today. So regardless of what your feelings are like coming into church this morning, you don't base your faith upon your feelings. That's the most betraying thing you can ever do. You do not live according to your feelings. You live by faith in the Son of God. And why? Because you can have a confidence in him. He's the only one that truly loves you, that walks all the journey with you, regardless of your unflattering moments, which I'm sure that you may have a few. He still holds your hand. He never abandons you. He's already demonstrated his love to you in that while you are still rebelling in your sin against him. The scripture says he came and he died for you. And, uh, you know, it's saying that is a sort of an eternal phrase because you could say, well, I wasn't around when Jesus died. Yeah, but you're at the right center of his thoughts when he did die on that cross. He is a brilliant mind. He is more than a supercomputer. He sees you as if you were the only one. Isn't that a wonderful thought this morning? I was privileged to be born into a large family of 10. And every one of us all believed that we were our parents' favorites. And in many ways we are. I have four, four sons of my own, six grandchildren, And uh, they're all my favorite in a different way. Amen. And uh, yet they're all my favorite. Praise God this morning. You're you're God's favorite today. You might not feel like it, but you're God's favorite. Praise His lovely name. Uh, We're going to stand with me. Would you stand with me this morning as we come around the word of God? We're going to pray just for a moment. And we're going to pray as well. We're going to pray for the great country of Ukraine, that God would end that war. Our hearts uh, and our thoughts go with the families that have been bereaved. Even just yesterday in Odessa, one soul was killed by indiscriminate bombing by the Russian soldiers. And 13 were wounded and put in hospital. Churches were bombed. Homes were bombed. As we sit here in peace with our homes around us, we're going to ask God to bring a deliverance to Ukraine today and the comfort of the people. And he will bless his word. Will you close your eyes, bow your head with me, as we ask God and not forget them in their hour of need. Father, we do ask you for these precious people in Ukraine, Lord. We ask you, Lord, that you will protect them. We ask you that you will end this war, Father, that you will intervene from heaven. God, you will turn the hearts of men back to you, Lord, back to righteousness and not perversion. We pray, Lord, you will comfort all those who are lost today, Lord, lost a loved one, a husband or a wife, a son or a daughter or a friend, O God. We pray, Lord, that only you can speak to the depths of the soul of a man. Our words are small, O God. Our words never are enough, Lord. But a word from you, Lord, can bring comfort, Lord. A word from you, Lord, can get people through dark times. And I pray you will speak dearly, Lord. And I pray for this word this morning that you put on my heart today, Lord. Give me the ability to bring it out, Lord. I pray, Lord, it will bring honor to your name. It will strengthen your people this morning for all who have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to his church. So we pray for this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may take your seats. God bless you this morning. have a Bible turn to 2nd Kings and we're looking at a chapter 8 2nd Kings chapter 8 reading from verse 1 then Elisha spoke to the woman whose son had, he had restored to life saying arise and go you and your household and stay wherever you can for the Lord has called for a famine And furthermore, it will be upon the land for seven years. So the woman arose and did according to the saying of the man of God. And she went with her household and dwelt in the land of the Philistines seven years. It came to pass at the end of seven years that the woman returned from the land of the Philistines. And when she went to make an appeal to the king for her house and for her land, the king was talking with Gehaziah the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, please, all the great things Elisha has done. Now what, now what? Now, it happened, as he was telling the king how he had restored the dead to life, that there was this woman whose son he had restored to life, appealing to the king for her house and for her land. And the Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son for whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king had asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed a certain officer for her, saying, Restore all that was hers and all the proceeds of the fields from the day that she had until now. Praise God. That is our reading. The story starts actually in chapter 4 about this woman. She's introduced to us in 2 Kings chapter 4. Um, you all know the story very well, but just as a recap for some. This woman actually is a wealthy woman and a husband. They're advanced in years. Well, he's advanced in years. He's an old man. And uh, she's a younger woman, still of childbearing age. But they're actually a couple that couldn't have any children up to this point of encounter with Elisha, the man of God. Elisha is the prophet. And he was a a prophet that would go preach and teach um, and manifest the works of God in Israel. And he was a regular uh, visitor to her part of the world. And she observed him, the Bible says, over a period of time. And she saw that this was truly a man of God. I love this woman because she just didn't invite into her home any old nonsense. She was a woman of discernment. She was a woman that didn't want to just, you know, just because people said a Christian doesn't mean a Christian. Jesus said, whoever says, Lord, Lord, just because they say, Lord, Lord, they're not entering the kingdom. And uh, a lot of people import a lot of foolishness through the media in your devices, watching things on channels that are so-called Christianity. But you need to pray about a lot of the stuff we watch today because it is so far off the message. But she watched this man for a period of time. And she was convinced that he was the real deal. This was a man of God. And her and her husband had determined to make things a bit more comfortable for him. They had, uh, they had made a proposition. They had went to him to say, next time you're coming to town, Will you stay with us? We're going to build on an addition to our family home. We're going to put on a nice room for you so you don't have to go to the Holiday Inn or wherever they went back then. And uh, we want you to stay here and we want to show you hospitality. We, we see God's hand in you. We see the validity of your ministry. And So this was the sort of uh, heart this woman had on her husband. They were wealthy people, but they were very happy to invest it in the things of God. You know, uh, you know just like this morning, Kevin, you know, we are happy to invest when we see uh, God moving in people's lives and, and the work of God and the, the genuineness of young men and women. You know, if I went up there and was so bold to ask you for money, I know what would happen. I'd be thrown out by most of you. But to see the genuineness of these young men and women saying, we're going to meet a need. And you can see, say, you know, that is a need. They're going to do something for the Lord. Well, this woman saw and observed that and was happy to, 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 to even reach into her pocket and her husband the same way to support the ministry and, of course, Elijah, he wants to bless this woman. He takes soundings about her life. And his servant Gehazi comes back and says, you know, this woman, you know, she's barren. She has no children. Her husband is advanced in years. And so the man of God gets a word from the Lord. And, of course, he sends word to his servant back and tells the woman, by this time next year, you're going to have a son. Now, you can imagine how, you know, she doesn't want to possibly even hear that because she's probably been disappointed for so many years of her life you know, the dreams of having a child. You know, she's probably getting to the time where childbearing age is pr- very, very possibly implausible for her. And so it can be very, you know, with, with, with women and, and husbands as well that are hoping to have a family. Sometimes people can't have them biologically, just, just the way it is. And it can be very painful. And I can imagine when she hears, you know, this, this uh, word coming from the Lord that I'm, I'm going to give you the desire of your heart. You know, I, I love that scripture, Trust in the Lord will Lord. All your heart and lean not your, all your, all, in your own understandings, in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Uh, I just think God is such a good God. When we, when we put Him first, uh, she, she didn't put on the addition to the home to get a miracle. She didn't invite the prophet in so that she could personally gain from the relationship. But I just want to tell you, when you start to support what god is doing when you start showing your love towards the things of the kingdom there's a benevolence that comes from god there's a there's a there's the hand of god begins to move over your life in the ways that you have maybe put back out of your life that that will never be for me and so this woman she she eventually has within that year within that 12 month period she has a little son and you can get all this in chapter four but this boy he grows he's probably seven eight nine years of age and, um, you know, one day he's out with his father in the field and, uh, you know, the, the commentators say that the, the boy might probably got very, very bad sunstroke because he complained of a pain in his head. The father sends him back to the, his mother. His mother puts him to bed and he dies that afternoon. You know, I mean, that might sound strange to us, but if you, you know, we're, we're hearing of temperatures in Greece at the moment exceeding 47 degrees and, you know, 12,000 people are being airlifted out of Rhodes Island at the moment because of fires that are starting. People are becoming faint. They're shutting down a lot of the attractions. The apocalypse in, in Athens is shut down because the people are literally collapsing with the, with the level of heat stroke that they're getting. Well, this little, this little boy died from heat stroke. And you know, the immediate response out of this woman wasn't one of panic. You know, this is the strange When you read it. I encourage you to read 2 Kings chapter 4. It's a great read. It's part of the historical accounts of the prophets working within the land of Israel back in those ancient times. She's not a woman that starts to complain. She's not a woman that starts waving her fist at God. As so many of us do in times of trial, you know, when things go wrong. It's easy to say, raise a hallelujah this morning in court church if things are looking good for you. you got a new job or maybe there's a mortgage or a new house or, you know, you got a pay rise or something or... Your uncle won the lottery and he's going to give you half of it or whatever it might be. It's easy when things are looking good. You found a new, hu- a new wife or a new husband on the way or you know, whatever it might be in your life. But you know the Bible talks about sweets, sweet. are the songs in the night when things go really bad and, and, and things go difficult in our life. And this is a very difficult moment. Talking about riding high in April, shot down in May. This woman gets her heart's desire only to have him removed. All of a sudden, her son is dead. And to make things worse, her husband is very indifferent towards her. He doesn't even realize how sick the boy was. And by the time he hears about the story, he, he has no idea he's dead. You know, she leaves the house. She immediately calls to her husband and he says, is everything okay? And the first thing she says, it is well. I don't know about you, but if someone in your family just died and you walk out the door and you meet your husband and say, no, everything's okay, it's well. It was a statement of faith, you see, because this was a woman of faith. This was a godly woman that had trusted the Lord, a woman of discernment, a woman that knew that if she could just touch God again, he would raise her son up. She knew that instinctively in our heart. She had that conviction. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. You know, I want to tell you that God is working faith into every one of us. God is working within you and me a development of our faith, how to walk in faith, how to trust Him. And that's why the scriptures are written so we can see examples of men and women that have gone through some of the most awful trials. Sometimes the trials were foisted upon them by others. Sometimes the trials were of their own making because of lifestyle choices and sin and behavior. But they were written to show us that in the midst of any calamity that you're in, whether it's someone else's on on you or, or your own, that God is able to make a way. The scriptures are not there to expose necessarily the foolishness of man. It does expose that, but it exposes it for a reason so that we can come for a fix, okay? We can get healed. We can come to him and say, in time of need. And so this woman, she says to her husband, I just need a donkey. It's okay. And off she goes with one of the servants on that donkey and to find Elisha, the man of God. And she travels. We don't know how long, but eventually she travels. She has an encounter with Elisha and Elisha does return eventually to the house. And he, he, he raises this boy up from the grave again. I I just love the character of this woman because, as I said, this woman wasn't a woman to gossip. She wasn't a woman to panic. She wasn't a woman to throw away her faith in a time of the worst trial of her life. She didn't pick up the phone and complain about her husband who's working all the time out in the fields and there's no time for their son and doesn't even understand where he's at and shaming him because a lot of dads are like that today. They're not really tuned in to where their children are. They're all out working. They're all out doing something, but they're not really invested in the most important things. But she didn't go and gossip about him. She didn't go and complain about him. She went straight to God. Amen. What an example of the way a Christian is to live. And she saw her miracle, folks. And so, you know, now we are here in chapter 8, where there's that connection still from Elisha the prophet. And Elisha the prophet tells her, sends word to her, that there's going to be a famine in the land. And, uh, you know, know, he tells her to leave. The famine is going to be for seven years. It's going to be severe. Take your family and leave and, take your, and, and go because it's not going to go well for Israel. Now, the famine in those times were famines that were sent by God. Interesting, she went to the land of the Philistines, which is just bordering it, really. It's the same region. In the same water literally flowed. The same rivers flowed through. These are all borderlands to each other. And yet there was no famine in the land of the Philistines. It, it, you know, it has this... A connotation or uh, inference in the scripture that this famine was a judgment upon the, upon the nation. Because Israel had been quickly backsliding from its commitment to the Lord. You know, it, it was beginning to embrace the Phoenician gods around them, the fertility gods, the immoral gods, the gods that allowed them sin, the, the gods that allowed them into all forms of wicked practice. And as a result, God was disciplining his people because they had invited things into their lives they should never have invited in. And there was this famine. And she goes to the land of the Philistines. And she comes back seven years later. You know, the Lord speaks to the faithful when we are faithfully listening. Obedience wasn't easy for this woman. She was a wealthy woman she had a lot of comfort in her, in her home, her land, her, the properties she may have owned. And to leave all that, when God speaks to her, to, to obey the word of the Lord. Obedience is not an easy road, friends. It's not. you it can just roll off our, our lips. But living a life of obedience is not an easy life to live. Even when it's in our own interest. It's always in our own interest when God asks us to do something for us to do. It is always actually for us first. We think, oh, well, I'm only obeying because I'm going to, you know, I'm going to help these young people reach other for Jesus Christ. No, it's not just that. You're obeying because God's teaching you how to be generous. Amen. God is doing something in your heart that money doesn't hold on to you and become the defining factor. Or it's all about you and your circle of friends. It's about a wider world, friends, that we're called to stand and be the light of the gospel And the salt that Christ said of his church. You are the salt and you are the light. And so God is doing something even in obedience. And it wasn't easy for this woman to live this life of obedience. Every Christian should realize that our citizenship is in heaven. We are a peculiar people. We live a distinct lifestyle. Can you say amen? we are a peculiar people that's what the apostle uh, Peter says you are a peculiar people, a royal priesthood a holy nation his own special people and when he asks you to move you move, when he asks you to stay you stay you, you, you know, we're not of this world our citizenship is in heaven we are part of God's family we are citizens of a heavenly family praise God today that we've been grafted in to the very person of Jesus Christ, into His body, into His church. I don't know about you, but in this life of obedience, in this life living for the Lord, I'm looking forward to going home. Amen. You know, when we live in this world as a peculiar people, as God's called out once, as His chosen ones, and we live here walking with the Lord and the cost that it brings to our lives, the sacrifice, you know, the denial of certain comforts. And this woman, she comes back after this obedient step after seven years. She's it's not been easy for her to leave family connections and leave the comforts, as I say, but she returns back home after seven years and finds out that her, her lands have been confiscated. Perhaps she left it with someone that she gave authority and he wouldn't relinquish the authority when she came back. Look after my property. you know. Look after the lands. And that person, when she was in the foreign land, had pocketed the money, you know, set up a legal system to kind of indemnify themselves. Commentators are out. It could have been that the lands were seized by the king himself. The taxes were due in it and there was no money coming in, no tributes coming into the king. Maybe the, mo- the monarchy seized the property. But the fact of the matter of her obedience led her to a place of financial and their ruin. I don't know about you, but there can be a, a murmuring that would start to enter into most of our lives that all of a sudden, just because I'm serving God, all of a sudden I'm on, I'm on the, the lower end of the scale here. I've, I've drawn the short straw, as the man would say. I, I, here I am. I'm, I'm doing nothing other than, than wanting to live for God. Be, live a life of obedience. And look at it. It's brought calamity into my life. Do you see, it's, it's, it's not always this sort of easy path for us, friends. It's not. Jesus said that in the world you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation. There's going to be a walk for you. I was talking with ben, Brother Ben Atkins before the service. We were just talking about life. And it's like life is a long race, but it's a series of small races, isn't it? Where there always seems to be another hurdle. You know, I just feel sorry for those who don't know the Lord. Because they also have those hurdles. They also have those sicknesses. They also have those marital issues. They also have financial problems. They have mental illness problems. Yeah, And they have no source of help. You know, when they bring comfort, it's, it's some sort of, you know... K, sera, sera. It's nearly philosophical without any meaning, but to the Christian. It's much more substantial because our relationship is based upon the living, living friendship with God. We have known the voice of God. We have known the touch of God in our lives. But I want to tell you, it doesn't always go the way you want it to go. She comes back. You would imagine she would have thought to herself, I feel I'm going to be rewarded. I've been so discomforted seven years of being what God says to me. I've I've given up my wealth, I've given up my money, and now I have nothing. At the end of it, she comes back and she has to make her appeal to the king. It so happens, of course, I want to tell you it, but the Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. You must remember that this morning, men and women of God. and No matter what the devil would say to you, no matter what week you had or didn't have, you are still a righteous man or woman of God. Not because you say so. You are because what he says you are. Amen. I am who the I am says who I am. Amen. God says, Jesus said, you are clean. He said that to his disciples, but he says a proxy description to you and I this morning. You are clean because of the words I speak over you. You're clean because I have washed you. You're, you're free because I've set you free. You are now mine. I've purchased you with my blood. You don't belong to yourselves, as the Apostle Paul said. We belong to another. We've been purchased, not with the paltry things of silver and gold, but with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He owns you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And your steps are ordered of the Lord. No matter how uncomfortable it feels at this moment. And I'm sure there's some here this morning say, you have no idea. And I want to tell you, yes, I do. You have no idea, Pastor. What I'm, I don't know what you're going through now. But I know I've gone through stuff. And I know others have gone through stuff. And I'm reading a woman who lived two and a half thousand years ago. Who's gone through some, went through some real stuff. All because she just wanted to honor the Lord. Obey Him and live for Him. And now she's left at a place of despair. But there's something about her integrity. You hear no murmuring. I'm nowhere near the depth of this woman, I can tell you. I must be the biggest whinger going on this planet. It's easy to talk to you on a Sunday morning, but when you face your own issues, oh, oh, I'm the worst Christian. Oh, I'm the worst pastor. I never get behind the. Po- oh, I just... You know what I'm saying. Everyone is better than you. Anyone ever feel like that? Well, don't listen to your feelings because it's not true. You belong to Him. You are loved by God. You need to open up your heart to that reality because if you don't, you will let those dark thoughts drive you to places of despair. If you don't listen to the higher voice and you're listening to the lower one all the time, that lower voice is always inaccurate. The best appraisal of your life is not done by you, it's done by Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've got to say, it it's worth saying once, it's worth saying twice. The best appraisal of your life is not done by you, it's done by him. And he says, you are mine. Hallelujah. When you walk through the waters, I'll be with you. I'm forming something in you. I'm forming character in you. I'm showing the world around you how a man or a woman lives in the midst of a fallen environment. How you can walk by faith and how you can live an exalted life. Yes, you'll be inconvened. Yes, there'll be times when you're on skid row. Yes, there'll be times just like the rest of the world, you face insurmountable odds. But this woman didn't go and pick up the phone. She didn't go and say, I'm renouncing my faith. She didn't say, I have enough of serving God. She knew where she had to go. She went in and made her appeal to the king. It's amazing. Just as she's coming in, the kings would sit as they always sit, uh, as judges for their people, and they would sit in court. They would have open times where the community could come in and say there's a land dispute or there's a, there a work dispute or there's some issue and then the king would arbitrate and that on the basis of law, his word would be final. And it was one of those days where the courts are sitting and the king is the head of the court and people are coming in and saying, "This guy stole my pig," and another guy's coming in and saying, "This guy broke my pottery." Another guy said, "This guy's after joyriding my cart," you know, whatever it might have been back then. And he's arbitrating in all the different subjects. And in comes this woman. But it so happens that the kings would be always having these sidebar conversations, you know that. You know, you see, they, they, they depicted pretty good in Hollywood. The kings were kind of, you know, ostentatious sort of men, gregarious, bigger, larger than life, big egos, and. You know, as the people are coming in with the real issues of their lives, he's having sidebar conversations. It so happens that he's talking and entertaining Gehazi, who is Elisha's uh, uh, servant to Elisha the prophet. And he wants to hear all the stories because Elisha, he is famed throughout Israel. This is a man that has used the power of God just flows through this man. Did twice the amount of the miraculous signs as his predecessor, Elijah. Phenomenal things We, we see. And just as he's beginning to, to, as he's talking with Gehazi, the picture's said, it's a phenomenal picture. And he's saying, well, tell me some of the great deeds of Elisha. I'm hearing, is it true? I'm extrapolating a little bit. Is it true? He said, oh, they're all true. Oh, sire, they're all true. And actually, in fact, I was there when he raised a boy from the dead. You really? Someone came back from the dead? I was there, sire. And all of a sudden, he looks up and he sees in the court a familiar face, from seven years earlier, maybe look, looking a little bit older, maybe a little bit weather beaten, maybe a bit grayer. Certainly not wearing the up-to-date clothing that she would normally wear. Certainly not, you know, walking in there like she came from Saxon Fifth Avenue. You know, she's been down uh, uh, on her uh, on, on her honkers, you could say. She's been down on her luck. Some would say. But she walks into that courtroom, and as as I looks up, he sees this woman with her son walking in, and he's. He must have been, his his eyes must have went, oh my gosh, she's here. And he said, who's here? The woman I'm telling you about whose son was raised, she's here. And the king sets his gaze on her and he looks at her and she testifies of what God did in her life. She says, is is it true? Is it true that your son was raised from the dead like he's is telling me? She tells him what the Lord had done for her. You see, the Bible says we overcame him by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb and because we loved not our lives even to the death. She encapsulated everything of Revelation, the scripture in Revelation. She encapsulated it all, friends. She loved not our lives. She complained not about her God, not about our lot. She went to the just place. She went before the king himself and she began to testify about what God had done in her life. And whatever circumstance you are in today as a Christian, no matter how low you are, never let the enemy take away your testimony. Never let him take away your voice. Never let him take away the fact that God has done something in your life. Regardless of how you feel now, regardless of today's circumstances, there was moments, many moments of your journey where God spoke to you. God saved you. God touched you. His Spirit was upon you. There was times of the miraculous when He provided for you. When everything else seemed to be dried up, no way through. God made it through. God made a way for you. Amen. He's faithful, and I want to tell you that is the greatest testimony. Whatever you're struggling with today, to be able to say, "I'm still struggling with some mental health issues. I inherited a pretty dodgy biology. It's in our family line." But I want to tell you, I'm saved by the blood of the Lamb. He rose me up out of a dead life, and I'm alive spiritually. I might be mentally a bit poor at the moment. I might be financially poor, but I am rich in God, and that's you couldn't kill that woman. Oh, you took everything. She's a type of Job. Her husband is dead now. She's coming back to financial ruin. She has her son. But I tell you, she has her faith. Hallelujah. She has her faith. She took everything from her. And deserved. serve Christ, sometimes friends will take everything. Sometimes some of us will go through some of the harshest of waters. And if that's you this morning, it's because God knows that he can bring you through. And God knows that he's doing a testimony through your life that will touch the lives of weaker ones and begin to help those who are in despair today, to, to those who are fearful of heart. They can look at you and look at your life and say, that's a man, that's a woman of God that has come through terrible trial. Look at the background he came from. He wasn't brought up, he was dragged up. Didn't have a hope, basic education. Dad is a drunk, mother is a, it's, it's a drug addict. There's nothing in the house, never any food. But look what God done in him regardless. of the awful start in life. Hallelujah. So that's the glory of the gospel. She looked at her son. She said, I have my boy at least. Hallelujah. Oh, you can take all that wealth away. If I have my son, that's all I want. God has, you know, because he, he, he already dealt with her with the son. She already gave up that son once and she didn't give up her faith. Amen. Hallelujah. She gave him up to God and God gave her back, gave him back to her. And she comes in and she's beginning to testify. The devil hates you testifying. I want to tell you, friends, if he can silence your voice, that is exactly what he's trying to do. He's trying to silence you. He's trying to relegate you. He's trying to put you to the sidelines of life to say that your life has no utility or validity, to say that it's all over for you. I want to tell you, he's a liar from the pit of hell. He's the father of lies. There is a plan for your life. It's not changed in the eyes of God. It's not the B plan. It's still the A plan. Amen. Hallelujah. This woman went home. Description. She returned home. I titled this message, I think I titled it, Looking Forward to Going Home. Because I want to tell you, friends, there's a great meaning here for all of us still whatever trauma and trial, whatever issues you find yourself, whether they're high or low, it doesn't really matter. One day, we'll go before the King of Kings. I said, one day we'll stand before a Heavenly Father. And we'll stand and we'll testify of a great Savior that brought us through the trials of life. And all the heartaches and all the things that we had to give up or do it out in life because we We're committed to the works of the gospel. All the places that we couldn't go see because we didn't have the resources because God told us to give it up to help other people. All the things that we denied ourselves, the nice things that other people seem to have around us. Why? Because we're called to something higher than just serving ourselves. You know, we'll come to Him one day, we'll stand in His presence. I want you to just picture after living a long life or a short life or whatever life you are, but you're standing in the presence of Almighty God. I just want you to picture it. And all the hurt and all the heartache and all the awful things that happened as a consequence of you just wanting to live for God. The rejections from people, the heartaches. And you come before the king, and you stand before him weeping. And you say, King, this is what everything has gone. I don't know if my life amounted to anything for you, but I but I do know one thing. He gave me life from the dead. And it said, like the king turns, just like the heavenly father will turn to Christ. And the king turned to that sergeant or at arms, whoever it was, and he instructed him. I want you to give him back everything. I want you to restore everything of the last seven years and all the interest on the fields and all the money and loss of earnings. And I want to tell you, friends, the Bible tells me that God one day will wipe away every tear from my eyes and from your eyes. And all the memory of it, friends, and all the heartache of it will mean nothing anymore. And he will restore our fortunes as of old, friends. I want to tell you, friends, I will walk away every tear from your eyes. There will be no more pain or sorrow. The former things of the passed away. I don't know about you, I can't wait to go home one day and have everything restored because Jesus said, even if you give a glass of water in my name, it will not be forgotten to you. I'll restore that cup of water. It won't be in a manky cup. It'll be in a golden cup. It'll be at my table. Hallelujah. Oh, God is going to restore all your fortunes with interest, friends. All the years that you say that you're laboring here on earth for the God, none of it is forgotten. Hallelujah. This is what he's telling us today. We must continue to testify of what Christ has done in our lives, but knowing that the restoration is not necessarily even this side. Although God is kind, he often does restore the fortunes this side of glory. He often does put back in our pockets what we put out there. He often does give us incredible miracles in our lives he's benevolent he's kind he's wonderful but should he not should he not I would praise him yet even though he slays me my brothers count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience that patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete and lack nothing hallelujah Oh, men and women of great character all through the scriptures ended up and Paul and Silas are on the way to a prayer meeting, ended up in the prison. Can you imagine how you would feel today? you're on your way to a Cork church prayer meeting and all of a sudden you're pulled over by the cops and bought the prison some of us just oh why did god let that happen oh, my heart was noble I, I just put the boot down too far and i'm in prison today and you know some of us we come to church and we get a ticket in our car we're nearly doing this to god do you understand parking wrong on a sunday whatever it might be all of a sudden just because we come into the house of the lord we have this big money session why me why did i get ticketed well you were on double w i you know you did block him in archery yeah you know you nearly knocked down the parking attendant whatever it may be but it doesn't matter I was going to church <laughs> Paul and Silas ended up in a dungeon they were on the way to a prayer meeting ended up in a dungeon but I want to tell you we know what happened in that dungeon don't we they began to testify they began to sing the songs of Zion and the songs of deliverance and there was such a rocking and there was such a thunderous moved in that prison, shook to its very foundations. The shackles fell off. The doors fell off their hinges. And God released them. The power of God came. Amen. Don't store up treasures in this earth, friends, where the rust and the moth can destroy and thieves can break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For neither moth nor rust destroys where the thieves cannot break in or steal. For away your treasure is there is your heart. Oh, I want to tell you the greatest treasure is to come. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not, and none of it will be forgotten of God. He, not one thing, not even he goes down, not even to a cup of water in my name when I be, will be forgotten of you. Testify, keep testifying of Christ, what he's done for you. That's the way of true worship. You come back, young people from and I want to promise you, the devil's going to attack you like heck. You went over there, you did a work for the Lord. You need to surround yourself with prayer this week. Be a week where the enemy is going to try to hurt you. But I want to tell you, he's done a work. Keep on testifying. Regardless of, if you have a bad week this week, coming up or the week after, you still testify to what God has done in your life. doesn't matter how you feel. It's not about my feelings. God did something in my life. He led me. He kept me. He preserved me. He resurrected me, Hallelujah. The Bible says he overcame, and we know the verse Revelation twelve eleven, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony, because they loved not their lives, even until the death. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. with my voice will I make known, His faithfulness to all generations, Hallelujah. I want to encourage you today. That when we, are, when we do go home, eventually, from this barren world, yeah, there is times and there is moments that we can all enjoy. Thank God for them. Many of them. Children and grandchildren, particularly. Life may be a summer's day, whatever it may be. But I want to tell you, you ain't home yet. The greatest restoration will happen one day. When you stand before the throne of God's grace. And you stand there and say, I'm here today because of what he has done for me. And he will speak to the son. He said, now restore all the fortunes of old. Everything that I have for them. The riches of heaven. The mansion that I prepared for you. Eye has not seen, nor ears are heard. Neither has it even entered into the imagination. Of all that God has done for you and for me. And so whatever you're in today, whether he restores your financial situation back to where it was, or your health, or your relationships, friends, I want to tell you, whether he does it this side of eternity or not, one day he will, because you're not home yet. Oh God, bring us home. Even now, come Lord Jesus. Should be the cry of every Christian. Oh, I want to live. Don't worry, I've got grandchildren, I've got things to do. But there's a deeper cry in my heart this morning is, oh God, I want all that you have to be restored to me, all that Christ has won, all that Christ has achieved, positions that He's earned for me. He's earned you a position. That position is to sit on the right hand side of majesty. That's what the Bible teaches. This is not a vain comment out of the mouth of your pastor this morning. God does not leave you. Alone in your trial. He prepares us. He is with us. When you suffer, remember that he's with you. Remember that one day we will be home. And everything we lost will be restored. We will be kings and queens. I look forward to going home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me this morning and look forward with me. It's not yet, but it will be. Some will go home quicker than others because we're getting more gray hair and we're getting down that road. Some through accident and out of time, you could say, will be there as well. Maybe Christ will come back in the next day or two, our hour. Because we don't know the day or hour. But one day, we will all return home. And in a strange way, we all know that we are strangers and aliens. Peculiar people. Special because, not because we made ourselves special, because he made you special. And we all know that we're moving towards that point where God will restore everything to himself, reconcile everything to himself, where you come back to the bosom of God, you come back to that relationship that only man could only dream of, that only God can give. Now ask him to settle your heart this morning that he's going to restore everything to you and to take away any anxiety you have any sense of injustice that you think you owe, any sense that he shortchanged you on the journey, he is working a phenomenal character into you. He is working a service into you. He is working a testimony into you. He is making you a better person. He is doing it through suffering, through trial, through high times and through low times. He is doing something deeper that if you were left to your own devices, you'd only stay shallow. And you'll be shallow the rest of your existence. Nothing worse than meeting a shallow person and then meeting them at 70 years of age and they're still shallow. That's an awful waste of a life. But that's not what God has for you this morning. He has depths for you to discover and heights for you to, to discover, to, to, to manifest and to enjoy. So will you bow your head this morning and say in your heart, oh God, I'm looking forward to one day. Going home and having it all restored to me. You, some of you have suffered for the sake of the gospel. I want to tell you, it will not be forgotten. You, some of you have been ostracized by family who think you're a religious freak, and they're right. We are religious freaks compared to what the world thinks. We embrace it, we're peculiar. Who would have ever thought? I mean, look at your life. Who would have ever thought you'd be in church this morning? Think back 10 years, 20 years. Would you have ever thought you'd be here with a heart contrite and open to God? That's a miracle. But some of you have suffered the disdain of others. Some of you have lacked promotion and jobs because you won't hang around with a bad company. You just won't go with the, the agenda in the workplace. You just won't. You're, just, you're not one of the lads. And when you try to be one of them, you stick out like a sore thumb because you're really not. You're different. You belong to Him. And as a result... You don't have the same affection on the job people don't care for you the same way they look after their own but they won't look after you but God says I look after you, I'll restore everything to you everything that the locusts have taken, everything that the enemy has taken, everything that the world takes, I will restore it all, I'll be bringing you home soon and when you come home I will be telling Christ that mansion is ready for them, fill them with the glory of heaven and wipe away all the tears from the eyes. And let there be no more fear. Or sorrow. And all those former things will pass away. Father I pray for us. Every one of us. To give us that. Joy of looking forward to going home. Take away the fear of death. Take away the fear of living. Take away fear from us Lord. Let us not be fearful people. Let us be like the Shulamite woman that was confident in her God, regardless of the circumstance she found herself in. She never gossiped. She never complained. She never moaned. She went to you every time, and you comforted her every time. As you comfort us, we thank you this morning. We give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory, for you indeed deserve it, Lord. And we want to tell you from the bottom of our heart, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for loving us. Praise your holy name. Amen. To God be the glory. Amen. Great things he has done. Come on, let's give him praise. All right, you standing. Hallelujah.